Well, good morning, New Life. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. My name's Christopher. I'm our youth director and uh, look after some of the tech stuff as well. Uh, and I just want to start by welcoming you to our service this morning. I have a few announcements for you before I pass it over to Paul. So here they are. First off, I just wanted to let you know that our iSpy day camp is wrapped up and finished. That ran throughout August, and it was a tremendous success, lots and lots of fun. And I wanted to just thanks or say thanks so much to our summer interns who did an amazing job. They've also wrapped up with us. They're you know, no longer here, and we miss you already. But Paige and Liam, you guys did a wonderful job this summer. And uh, to all the rest of you here at New Life, if you see them, make sure you congratulate them on such a job well done. Uh, I have a few announcements about regathering, which is a very exciting thing that I'm sure all of us are stoked for. There's a few things to take note of. So first, our very first in-person gathering since COVID is happening next Sunday, September 13th. We're really, really stoked about that, or at least I am, and I hope you are too, but there's lots to be made aware of. So Sundays are going to include live worship music, teaching, as well as a kids program from JK to grade four. We'll also have a, a parent supervised space for toddlers as well as for newborns if they need changed. And there's a television set up there uh, so that the service can be watched if you need to some, for some reason excuse yourself. There are a limited number of people that we're able to have in person. And the best way that we can be responsible and keep everybody safe and also be welcoming is to ask that those wishing to attend service register in advance. Now, I know that sounds a bit weird, but it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. The best way that you register is online. Uh, there's a link in our email that we send out every weekend. You can follow that to register, or you can visit our homepage, newlifecollingwood.com, and just Click the link, register in the main menu. You'll notice that we have asked folks to register one out of every three services, so one in person and then two online if, if you're able to do that. Um, that's just to make sure that everybody has a chance to come who wishes to, given that there's a limited number of spaces. However, if by Friday you notice that there's still a bunch of spaces left, then please feel free to register and head on in. We're looking forward to seeing you. Uh, also, watch your inboxes or our YouTube channel this coming week uh, for a video explaining what coming back is all going to look like. Just a little bit of a sneak peek. Additionally, we're launching Tuesday gatherings as well. Our first Tuesday service is gathering on September 15th. You can register for those gatherings in, in advance as well. And we're going to be building that sort of as we go. It, it's going to be the same content, but the format will be just a little bit scaled back and a little bit more relaxed than perhaps what we're used to on a Sunday. So pretty exciting. Uh, I'd really encourage you to give it a try if you're not able to make it on the weekends especially. That's a great chance to connect here in person. So finally, today we're going to be wrapping up our teaching series, Shift. We've been learning tons about when what was or should have been isn't, we shift. So I'm going to pass it back to Paul for the conclusion to that series. So Paul, thank you and take it away. Good morning. 
Good morning. It's, um, for those of you that are watching online, it is humorous, and, and those of us who are in here might as well laugh. I think there are the same number of people here as there are in the back booth that are making the broadcast happen. So, so you guys are still guinea pigs. We're still having lots of fun uh, working through all the little bits and pieces for how to do this well in person as well as Online And again, we invite your feedback. So if you guys have feedback for us, um, write it down. Let us know. If you're watching online and you have feedback, just send that in. Uh, Paul at newlifecollingwood.com. I'll take it. And um, send us your even better ifs, what you loved, and it would be even better if, and then fill in the rest of that sentence. So Steve, thanks for, having, uh, for being up here and playing music this morning. Next week, I know that we're going to have more of a, a complete band, but uh, it's been six months, I think, since we had you there uh, playing your guitar, and it just felt um, natural, like we missed it. And so it was, uh, it was really nice t- to have that. Well, we're in this last week in our series on shift, and I want to read the scriptures that we're going to use this morning from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. So we're going to have these on the uh, screen for you, but you can listen if you want. You can read along in your Bibles, Acts, 6, or Acts 1, verses 6 to 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So let's take a moment. Let's pray and, and let's experience the scriptures together. Father, thank you for, uh, for the scriptures that you've revealed yourself to us through them. Thank you for, uh, for this this morning, the book of Acts, which gives us a history of the early church. As we take a few minutes and we reflect on what has just been said in this passage May you um, speak into our lives uh, what we need to hear at this time. Amen. So, when you think about Jesus' plan for the church, sometimes I feel like Jesus didn't know what he was doing. I'm not sure he really knew what he was doing. Stop and think about it for a moment. Jesus has come, and he has done this amazing teaching, these amazing miracles. He has shown us the heart of God. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And all of these things are amazing. And then he says to the people who are following him, okay, you guys run with it. I'm not sure he really knew what he was doing. When I think about the church throughout history 
And I think about the way that we've gone wrong. We've gone off the path. When I think about my own life and the way that I have made mistakes, that I've screwed up, that I've turned my back on God, that I haven't lived the way he wants me to live. I'm not going to talk about the way I think you guys have failed, but I'll talk about the way that I think I have failed. And I think, did he really know what he was doing? Leaving us with this monumental task of actually um, running with the mission of God. Now, it's tempting to be hard on ourselves, you know, to just focus on our mistakes. And, and, and to think, we often think about a golden age in the church, those early followers. The early church was the best age of the church. But I want you to, to see how the people who were with Jesus for three years, they were with him day in and day out. They heard everything that he said. They watched with their, with their own eyes how he healed people. And they watched how he treated the outcasts and the marginalized. They understood everything Jesus, or they were supposed to understand everything Jesus was calling them to. And then in this passage here in Acts 1, look at what they asked Jesus here. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore, look at this, our kingdom. Restore our kingdom. They were still fixated on their own little personal plan. Our whole plan is for, for God to take our nation and lift us up above everybody else. And it is only and specifically about us, Israel. And these are the, the people who were with him for years. And they are still missing the point. They don't understand what it was that Jesus was saying to them. So before you're too hard on yourself, just realize that they had a difficult time grasping what God was up to. And I'm left wondering, did Jesus really know what he was doing? And then I think about this passage, and I keep reading through it and reflecting, and I begin to realize Jesus knew exactly what he was doing because what he was doing is what God has always done. And that is, God employs a stubborn determination to partner with us, to partner with you and with me, with the people in this room and the people in this world who choose to follow him, who want to partner with God. He has a stubborn determination to partner with his people. As you read through the scriptures, when you start in the book of Genesis and you, and you meet Abraham and you meet Moses in the book of Exodus and you meet David in the book of Samuel, what you realize is that God has a stubborn determination of partnering with humanity in achieving his plan for the cosmos. He has always functioned this way. So when Jesus meets with the disciples in Acts chapter 1, and he says, listen up. Here's the plan. The plan includes them. The plan includes us, the church. Jesus has a vision for his church. And it has always been to, to behave the way that God has always behaved. And that is... He refuses to do his own thing apart from us. His plan includes us working with him. And God has a vision for his church. So when you come to uh, verse 8, 
you read this. They're asking, are you going to restore our kingdom? And Jesus says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is about God's kingdom. And Jesus is just refocusing their attention. It's not about your kingdom, it's about God's kingdom. And you will be my witnesses. That word witnesses is about people who experience an event, who see it, who are part of it, and they begin to tell other people about it. And over time, that word began to take on a meaning of those people who knew about the event. And eventually, that word witnesses would actually take on the meaning of where we get our modern-day word for martyrs. The word witnesses is how we, um, when it's translated, it's also how we use the term martyrs. People who are willing to die for the privilege of telling the world about God, about what he's done through the person of Jesus Christ. And God's plan for the church is that we would work with him, that we would partner with him in telling the world what he's up to. And being witnesses isn't just about our verbal presentation. The, the plan for the church, for us as a community, is to not only be able to tell people what God is doing, the plan is for us to embody and live out a way of living that says to the world, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. See, the kingdom of God is not something out there. The kingdom of God is here. And part of our ability to witness to the world is to model for them what it looks like when the kingdom of God is present here on earth. And that is how we engage with one another. That is how we, how we express our love for God through the way that we live with one another. That is about being a witness. And that is the plan that Jesus has for his church. That is the way that God has always acted. It is a stubborn determination to partner with me and with you in being witnesses so that the world would understand what God is doing in and through the person of Jesus Christ. That's his vision for the, for the church, for his church. But you see, the church isn't a corporate entity that is removed from reality. It's not a corporate entity that is impersonal and out there. The church consists of individual people who have chosen to align themselves with the God who created them. And they've put their allegiance with him. And they choose to follow him. So the church is about individuals. That means the church is about me and the church is about you and you and you and you and all of you guys in the back and all of you who are watching online and you guys back there and the little ones. The church is about individuals. And so Jesus not only has a vision for the church, he has a vision for you. Because you are a part of his plan. And when you read through the Gospels, these good news stories of Jesus, there are so many examples of where Jesus is talking about his vision for you or for me as individuals. And I just happened to choose this morning to go to John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking, he's using the, the analogy or the metaphor of, of a shepherd and sheep, because that's language that they understood. And he writes this in, uh, in verse 14. Uh, or John writes this of Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Part of Jesus' vision for you as an individual, part of his church, is that you would know him, and that you would let him know you. He wants to be known by you. 
And then in the next verse, verse 16, he says, they will listen to my voice. He's talking about other sheep. So he's talking to the followers, and then he says, I have other sheep who, who aren't a part of this pen right now. And he's talking about us, all the people who would choose to follow Jesus because of those who chose to be his witnesses. And he says, they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus wants you to know him, and he wants you to be able to hear his voice to recognize his voice in the chaos, in the uncertainty, but also in the good times when we're tempted to just go our own way and forget all about him. He wants you to know him, and he wants you to be able to hear his voice when he is speaking. And here's the reference back to the church, the one flock with one shepherd. He wants you to be a part of that flock. He wants you to be a part of his church, his community. And that is a vision for you that was um, strong then and real then, and it is just as real today. Jesus has a vision for his church, and you are a part of that vision. You are a part of what he wants to do in the world today through the church. Now, when we talk about the church, the big C church, we're kind of talking about the universal church, the church around the world, globally is massive and you are an individual there are billions of people who who align themselves with jesus and profess faith in christ and who claim a, a christian faith and you as individuals all make up a part of that global church but i believe that not only does jesus have a vision for the big c church and for you as an individual he has a vision for individual congregations and i think jesus has a vision for new life that's this place. We are one expression of the global body of Christ. And I don't think that we are, we are unimportant to God. He cares about what is happening in the Georgian Triangle. We reach people uh, locally from the east side of Wasega Beach all the way almost to Meaford and then down into Clearview County. It's the Georgian Triangle. You can look that up on a map if you're not familiar with the area. And new life is one expression of many locally that I think Jesus has a vision for. And you as an individual have the opportunity to be part of this new life family. And he has a vision for us at new life. Um, Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus asked his followers, uh, who do you say I am? And Peter, one of those followers, said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, on that, on that conviction, Peter, I will build my church and the powers of hell would not conquer it. I don't think it's unrealistic to be able to extrapolate out of that. He was talking about the big C church, but I don't think it's unrealistic to just extrapolate and say that Jesus wants to build new life as a local expression of, the, of his community, his family, his flock. And I believe Jesus wants to build new life, even now. In all of what we've been experiencing, he's got a plan to build new life. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let's face it. It feels like the powers of hell have been working against us a lot this summer. And I don't mean the big C church. I'm actually going to be specific about new life. I mean, COVID hit and that changed everything. And we've been trying to figure out how to, how to be church. 
And, and we've had struggles galore as leadership and even as individuals. We're just trying to figure out what does it mean to be the church? Because the one thing that we do really well is we gather, right? Even when we're in the community serving people, we do it in groups. We gather. That's what we do well. We get on each other's nerves. And yet we still love each other. That's the beauty of the gospel. And we have people from all different backgrounds, rich and poor and black and white and brown and yellow and and different orientations, and we come together and we love each other in spite of our differences. And he still wants to build that, but feels like the powers of hell have been against us. We haven't been able to meet. We've been trying to figure out what it means to be an online community, have an online campus. While you may not have known what's going on here, we've had two floods in our kitchen this year. We had one flood, we had to run it through insurance to get repaired, and while the repairs were happening, a second flood in an entirely different section happened and made a mess of the other half of the kitchen. We walked in here one day and turned the lights on in the auditorium, and a ghost erupted in the system, and the lights were flashing, and we couldn't control them, and it took a major investment in bringing in company to fix all the lighting here in the auditorium. We've had people who have been sick who have been emotionally unwell, psychologically unwell, physically unwell because of what's happening in the pandemic. We have taken a financial hit, a huge financial hit as a congregation. I don't mind talking about that because that's just our reality. It feels sometimes like the power of hell is against us. And yet Jesus still has a vision that he wants to see become reality. And that excites me. It excites me to see what he's up to. And see, his vision for new life didn't just start recently. It's been as long as we've been in existence. And we've been a a local congregation for, for over half a century. And I thought it would be appropriate to invite one of our former pastors to talk a little bit about the vision of new life. I want to talk about Dale Shaw. He was senior pastor here from 1974 to 1984. That makes Dale really old. Dale, I know you're watching this morning, and that's just my little, little dig at you. Uh, Dale was one of the guys who in our denomination um, cheerleaded me when I was young and starting out. He had an impact on me. He had an impact on my wife because he was her pastor as well. But he was here from 1974 to 1984, and I invited Dale to talk a little bit about about the vision of new life at that time, and I want you to listen to see how it's still being played out today. Hello, new life. Ten of the best years of our family's life were spent in Collingwood from 1974 to 1984, when I became the pastor of the Collingwood uh, Brethren of Christ Church which of course changed his name to New Life Church. In 1974, when Anne-Marie, Darren, and I moved from Stainer to Collingwood, from the Six Line Church as pastor in Stainer to Collingwood, um, I knew the names of all 13 people in attendance and even the names of the 23 members that were on the list. Our church was the old four-story storefront building that would seat at the most 50 people if the pews were full. As the youth grew and used the building, it became affectionately referred to as the Sugar Shack. The church told me that if I came to be the pastor, they would build a new church on a piece of land that we had on the present property. We built that new church for $82,000 in money, which we borrowed, a lot of sweat equity, and donated building materials. Today, of course, that building is a dental center. As soon as we began to build, new people started to attend. 
you know who you are, many of you. The new building that seated 150 was dedicated in the fall of 1977. By then, Anne-Marie and I had another son, David. The congregation was very serious about inviting people to follow Jesus Christ, and the congregation began to grow in attendance. Dozens of children were dedicated to God by their parents. Dozens of people were baptized as a witness of their faith. And dozens of people identified with the congregation in membership. New ministries rare began, and soon we had to purchase a temporary building for Christian education space, a portable classroom, which we put out behind the new facility that we'd built. We also purchased the property to the north and to the east of our present facility. It became apparent that we needed more acreage and a larger building. Unofficial search parties began to comb the community for property that would be large enough and the price was right for us when we had very limited resources. I personally was attracted to a seven acre field in the front of Ben Tracy's property, which fronted on Highway 24. After a lot of thought and prayer, I visited Mr. Tracy and told him about the new life situation. He was very encouraging in that he said that I would like to have a church on this property, but at the present time, it's not for sale. I took the idea of the Tracy property to the board of directors and we began to pray that Mr. Tracy would become willing to sell the property. All the while, we kept looking and researching all properties in the area that we thought might be suitable. Over the next few months, I visited Mr. Tracy several times to have a friendly conversation and say, is that seven acres for sale? We did find a 10-acre parcel of land that was near the Collingwood Hospital. And although it would cost 200000 to extend water and sewage to the property, we decided to bring a recommendation to the congregation that we purchase the property with plans to build when we had raised enough money. I was restless the whole night before the evening of the vote. In the morning, I said to Anne-Marie, Anne, I'm going to visit Mr. Tracy this morning one more time to ask him to sell us the land. Mr. Tracy was working outside his equipment shed as I drove up beside him. He was friendly, as he always was when I got out of the car. We greeted each other with a handshake and a few comments about the weather, which is always the main item of conversation with a farmer. Finally, I drew a deep breath and said, Mr. Tracy, the church board of directors are presenting a recommendation to the congregation tonight to buy a 10-acre parcel of land to build a church on. But I believe God wants us to buy the seven-acre field at the front of your property that we've talked about so often. He said, my son and I have been talking about selling that field to the church, but we would have to have $73,000 for that seven acres. I said, why don't we get our lawyer to drop an offer to purchase, which you can sign and I will sign, which you can present to the congregation at the meeting tonight so they have an option. At the congregation was gathering that evening, Mr. Tracy, his son, Doug Linton, the church treasurer, our lawyer, Paul Shaw, and myself were in the sugar shack signing the offer to purchase. We had to add a clause subject to denominational approval because we had absolutely no money on hand. We were still paying off the mortgage on the present church, and we had to do catch-up Sundays every few weeks to catch up on the operational needs that kept mounting up. That night, the congregation voted overwhelmingly to purchase the Tracy property. 
We soon wrote a letter to the BIC Church Loan Fund asking them for $73,000 to purchase the property. They turned us down, but we didn't give up easily. The Board of Directors made an appointment to appear at the next monthly meeting of the Canadian Conference Board of Directors. There was an attentive audience as we each passionately reviewed the progress of the past five years. We talked about the child dedications, the baptisms, the new members, the increase in attendance, and the increase in giving. We received a letter a few days later saying that they would loan us the money. Within a few days, though, we were flabbergasted beyond our faith when we got a letter from a local dentist saying that he would like to rent our complete six-line properties on a permanent basis for several months and then purchase it. He was willing to pay rent of 18% of the value of the property until he could make the purchase. Soon, we had an architect hired and a Turn the Sod Sunday event planned in the new property. The congregation moved into a school auditorium for several for services for several months and continued to grow there for three years, I believe, until the new facility was completed and it was move-in day. You have the finest church facility of the Brethren in Christ in Canada and you keep it so well. You have a visionary, motivated pastor, staff, and congregation. The church has made an eternal difference in the lives of hundreds of people. In 1977, a baby boy named Jeff, whose parents, though they never attended church to speak of, decided to dedicate him to God during a child dedication service. Jeff didn't grow up learning about Jesus Christ and how to follow him. But around the 1st of July this year, Jeff contacted Anne-Marie and said, I've just been filled with the Holy Spirit and I want to be baptized. Jeff is a high school teacher in the Orangeville area. A fellow teacher had asked Jeff if he wanted to study the Bible with him. He did so and Jeff came to a commitment to Jesus Christ. Jeff asked that I baptize him because I had dedicated him 43 years ago. Plans are to baptize Jeff in the Grand River on Sunday, August the 9th as a witness of his commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Great things have happened in the life of New Life Church. Great things are going to happen as you continue to follow the vision until Christ returns. Thank you, Dale. Some of you will remember Dale and his years here. I was just laughing because in 1974, I was two. And... Um, so Dale's got uh, a lot of history, and he's had a big influence here on us. And, and did you catch what he said? What happened in 1977 still is having results today. That's this July that he was talking about. And God's vision for new life hasn't changed. It is still in play. I want to bring us back to Acts chapter 1. The early disciples have seen Jesus uh, go up into heaven. And I want you to see this verse in verse 11. Uh, um, before I get to that, they are, they're standing there. Jesus is going back to the Father, and the early disciples are standing there, and they're staring off into heaven. And Jesus is gone. They can't see him. And they're staring off into heaven. And then we're told that it took two angels to come and say to them, why are you standing here staring into heaven? They just stated the obvious. You know what the vision is. It's, it's as if they're saying to the early followers, you know what the vision is. Now let's get to it. There's no need to keep staring into heaven. And I, and I don't think today that we're standing around staring into heaven. 
But I do wonder if we're getting caught a little bit staring at the chaos and the uncertainty and the turmoil. And maybe we need this word today, if we just go back to that. Uh, why are you standing there staring into heaven? The vision hasn't changed for his church. The vision hasn't changed for you as an individual. God wants you to know him and to know his voice and to be part of one flock. The vision hasn't changed for new life. We are still about helping people find and follow Jesus. We are still about inviting people to join God's family. And we are still about making a difference in our community and around this world as the local expression of his church, which includes me and includes you. That has not changed. Have we had to shift? Absolutely we've had to shift. I'm standing here preaching and talking to a television sometimes so that you can watch online better and the people can see. And, and we've got a room with, with about a dozen people in here because this is a practice Sunday. Did we think in January that at this point we'd be having a practice Sunday for the first Sunday in September? Hey, let's try this out and see if it's going to work. We've had to shift. And if you listen to what Dale said, at one point he said, we didn't give up easily. And I think that character is still true for us. I'm amazed at what's happened here, even to get to this point, and all the people that have put in so much time. For all of you that have been a part of making this happen to where we're at right now, thank you. And thank you to all of you who have been tracking with us. Dale said they had to have some makeup Sundays. We're probably going to have to have some makeup Sundays before the end of the year where we're encouraging you to buy into the vision of helping people find Jesus, follow Jesus, join the family, and make a difference. We want to see Jesus' love touch every person in the Georgian Triangle. And we're working towards that. And we've got some great things at play. The vision hasn't changed. And interestingly, God is trusting us to be his witnesses. We often talk about having faith in God, about trusting God. But did you ever stop to think that God trusts us? It's risky business, which is why sometimes it makes me wonder if Jesus knew what he was doing. But I'm convinced after this passage and being a part of this faith community, he knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, this day, may the Holy Spirit come upon us and fill our hearts that we would be the dwelling place of God that we would be those people who aren't asking about our kingdom but are looking at your kingdom and seeing how you invite us to partner with you in the mission of setting this world right. May we capture that vision today. May it so grip us that we give everything we have into partnering with you and seeing it become reality for the global church for us as individuals, for this local congregation as the expression of that. Thank you for trusting us. We trust you. And we go out this day in your name, living the vision that you've called us to. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us online. We will see you next week. Please don't forget to register if you're coming in person. Bye for now.